0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm a Southern California kid. I grew up loving all things Lakers. Showtime. And I would listen to the radio. I would read sports media. And I got to tell you, I got to remind you, I have the best job in the world. And tonight is a perfect example. Let me tell you why. I've been watching this show on HBO Max, that that app, that streaming app called Winning Time. And it's been very controversial, very controversial, because the depictions of many of the people that we all know and love have been caricature-like and have been offensive. Even Jerry West, the legend, the logo in the NBA, had his lawyers write a strongly worded letter in regard to it, asking for a retraction and apology. It talks about how the Lakers came together in terms of their run in the early 1980s. And it is interesting in the respect of all the responses that we've received from it. Now, again, I have the best job in the world because as I was coming up, as I was watching the Lakers do well, and I know Michael Crozier doesn't like hearing that, but the Lakers are a special franchise. They have a, a special place in my heart. But as I was watching them, I was also reading about them in sports media. I was also listening to how Sports Talk Radio was talking about them over the years. And it's not often you get to talk to a Southern California legend. But tonight, I get you. Doug Krikorian is a longtime Los Angeles area sports writer, sports talk show host, and author of the autobiography Between the Bylines, The Life, Love, and Loss of Los Angeles's most colorful sports journalist he's covered southern California's sporting scene for more than 45 years i read him in the herald examiner and the long beach press telegram i listened to him when he was a a, a frequent contributor to mcdonald douglas on the radio and now he's joining me on the tim conway jr show right now doug krikorian it is a pleasure and honor to speak with you this evening how are you sir
2: jeez i uh- I don't know what to say to you, Mo. You're my new idol. Say those nice things. <laughs> but they're but they're I all true. I appreciate it.
1: No, I mean that sincerely because I have read you and I have listened to you for so, so for so many years. And if anyone understands the Southern California sports landscape and also the media landscape more broadly, it would be you. And I gave that introduction to not only extol the virtues of the Laker organization, but explain how much I love the Lakers, and I know you love the Lakers as well. And we know that in this business, we often come across these people that we have to write about and we talk about and we develop relationships and a rapport on a certain level. This HBO series, Winning Time, has been blasted and praised. I would say more blasted. I've seen every episode. What was your feeling about it before you even saw an episode? What did
2: you expect to see? Well, first off, uh, Mo, and thank you for inviting me on your fine show. But first off, uh, i the only reason I, I watched it, because I'd heard so many negative things before, you know, Gary Vitti quitting on the set, as you know, the trainer, the old trainer, he said, I, I, I'm out of here. I can't do this. And, and I heard so many negative things that I wasn't even going to watch it. And then you know, I got some people that said, Doug, you gotta watch it, you gotta write about it. And so I grudgingly I watch it. And I'm not kidding this is a true story. The first episode I turned it off. I, I halfway through mm-hmm. and I didn't watch it for two or three days. I mean, the portrayal of Jerry West, you know, and I had some very good friends as a young sports writer, I, I covered the Lakers in 1968-69 when they played the Celtics. Bill Russell's last game, you know, and I, I was there. I traveled, made every road trip with him, and I, I, I was very close friends with with about four or five players on that team, including Elgin Baylor, who I played Gin Rummy with all the time, and, and Wilt Chamberlain, who I would go out to dinner with, and Jerry West, who I, you know, have been a friend of his now 54 years, and another guy named Johnny Egan, I was friends with. But but to the, the see the portrayal of, of Jerry West was so disgusting to me. It's it's not Jerry West, mo. If you know the guy, I'm sure you've met him. I mean, absolutely. you absolutely have you met him over the years.
1: I've met him, and I've had the opportunity to even interview him. So I I've I have an idea of what his his overall demeanor is like. Let me say that.
2: Yeah, and he's that's not him. No, it he, isn't. I, I, you know, I know his private life. I know a lot of things about him. I've been with him. I mean, there's animations that he's racist. That's the most ridiculous. That that really upsets me. He has never, if you knew, like he, he once said to me, I shouldn't be, this is the first time this has probably ever been reported. The, the only roommate, he, uh, the roommates he ever was with were African-Americans. So that should shut that stupid thing down, you know, right there. And there's other things he's done that he doesn't want to, you know, report it. In fact, I'll probably get in the trouble even uh, telling you about that because that's not well known, but there, but beyond that, I mean, just uh, this crazy thing, he getting in a cussing argument with Jerry Buss. Jerry Bus was a soft-spoken guy. He would never, and Jerry West would never do that. And there's other things. Uh, throwing the trophy as MVP trophy. First off, he, he, the MVP trophies aren't even in his house anymore. He, he's not into that. He had no plaques or, or trophies in his office. There was no windows in his office. And they showed uh, thrown through a window. I mean, then it was uh, one of the other things. And, and uh, I'm going on. I, I should stop it. But no, no, no. So no. Many, there's so much fake news in there. It's not him. I mean, how would you like it, Mo, if you were portrayed just the opposite of, of whom you are? I mean, you would not like that. No, I mean, me personally. Just, it, 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 you know, Jerry, uh, instead of uh, pointing out the fact that he was solely responsible for Kobe Bryant and, and uh, Shaquille O'Neal coming to Lakers, and we know what that would ensue from their presence. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's the one that traded for Kobe Bryant. 13th, uh, you know, he got him. He brought Kobe Bryant to Los Angeles. But that is even, it, 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 that was one part of his uh, career with the, the Lakers. What about during showtime? He's responsible for the chemistry, the developing. You know, if you surround it with worthy and Kareem and, and uh, Magic with inferior players, you won't win. You know that about basketball. You have to have Absolutely. chemistry. And he did that. It and does. Let me upset me. Yeah, let me, let me ahead, jump I'm in sorry. there in I'm this regard. On. No, that's okay. No, no, we're all passionate about, about this, and, and that highlights the point of why we're talking it's about an it. It's injustice to a very nice, kind human being and generous. Trust me.
1: Well, let me let me say this. I to to your question, yes, that would bother me greatly if I were mischaracterized on the screen on the screen. But I will also say, hey, can't we just call this satire? In other words, we know that yeah. these characters are so one-dimensional and so over the top and so ridiculous in many ways that I don't know if anyone can really take this seriously. I know I can't. So
2: I've had people come up to me, Mo, and say, "Was Jerry really like that?" And you know, and they say, "You know, of course he isn't." And I would explain, "Not at all. He's the most gracious guy." You know, uh, here's the best way I could describe Jerry West in my 54-year. I'm biased. You know, I must come out before I go on. I'm biased. He's been a very good friend of mine, loyal friend of mine for 54 years. And my second wife, uh, he came to my wedding, and then he came to her. Unfortunately, she passed away a few years later, and he came to the funeral. He came to my retirement party. He came to my book signing of that book you just uh, said. And I, 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 that was I, I didn't even ask him the, the last two things. Some other people asked him to come to retire. Larry Stewart from The Times asked him to come to my retirement party. But that's the way he is. And he's done so many things for so many people. And a lot of things aren't known about mm-hmm. scholarship that he's done for uh, minority kids. They don't know sc- college scholarships that he's you know, they don't know that. and He doesn't want him to know. And I probably shouldn't even be saying this because he, he's going to get upset at me.
1: Uh, Mr. Krikari, let me jump in right there. We have to go to a news break. And I know you have so many wonderful anecdotes to share. On the other side of this break, I would like to get into how we should look at this going forward. Because from what I read, there's most likely going to be a second season. And I don't know if this negative publicity is hurting or helping. Can you do that for me on the
2: other side? Absolutely. I'll stay as long as you want
1: me to. I appreciate you, sir. My guest right now is Doug Krikorian. We're talking about the HBO controversial series, Winning Time, and so much more. Doug Krikorian, longtime L.A. area sports writer, sports talk show host, and author of the autobiography, Between the Bylines, The Life, Love, and Loss of Los Angeles' Most Colorful sports journalist, and the occasion is we're talking about this new controversial and often discussed hbo max series winning time the rise of the los angeles lakers talking about the showtime era and i was saying when we left off mr krikorian that this is a farce and and let me go a little bit further with that there's not one positive portrayal of anyone on that show from paul westhead to pat riley to chick hearn er, uh, dr jerry buss of course no one is portrayed in a positive light if we look at it through that lens is it easier to accept that no one should take any of this seriously
2: well yes no one should take care of it seriously but the the fact is a lot of people do because they don't know what about a guy in omaha what about a guy in in kansas or iowa they don't know they don't know what i know mo Mm you know no uh, and a lot of people, let's face it, Jerry basically retired, uh, you know, from basketball, I believe, it was after the 30, uh, 1973 season, and he, he's been out, of, uh, you know, 49 years as a player, so a lot of young kids don't know him. And they look at this portrayal, and, and a lot of people say, God, that Jerry was really crazy. You know, that's the problem there.
1: To your point, though, uh, in my introduction, I talked about how Jerry West, I called him the logo. His silhouette is literally the logo for the league for people who don't know. He is that revered. His lawyers penned a very strongly worded letter. That's the only way I can describe it. It's not a lawsuit. It's a strongly worded letter asking for a retraction and I think an apology. Given what you've told us about how Jerry West feels about this series, I'm not even sure that he's seen it, but at least we know how he feels about uh, what he's receiving as uh, people telling about his portrayal. Do you know or suspect that he'll take it one step further in terms of legal um,
2: ramifications? Absolutely not. He's not going to sue him. And he doesn't expect the uh, uh, the people, the production people or the producers and directors uh, responsible for this uh, <laughs> this farce to respond to it. Uh, the reason he he's, he could win a lawsuit, believe me, the lawyers he's hired have won some big lawsuits, slanderous or libel lawsuits in the past. But it would take five years, and I, you know, Jerry, come on, he's in his eighties; he'll be eighty-eight, eighty-nine years old when it's mm-hmm. finally resolved. He doesn't want to go through that. But I will say this, Mo: he's very hurt by it. He is hurt by it. I know for a fact. I, you know, I probably telling you too much, but I mean, he's really he's very hurt uh, and it's bothered him and it's caused him a lot of sleepless nights. It really has. He doesn't deserve this. I mean, it's like a it's the persecution of Jerry West, <laughs> you know, as far like, you know, it's farcical and I know, mm-hmm. you know, OK, you're right. It's a satirical thing. OK, that's fine. But what about the guy that is—that's being portrayed and its. So just the opposite of what he is.
1: Do we run the risk though of conversations like these and 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 how we keep bringing it up and keep talking about it and breathing life into this series arguably that did not exist without us discussing it? Uh, are we propelling this? are we making this guaranteed a, a second season <laughs> and so forth?
2: Yeah yeah well, of course the, the, the perfect thing to do you ignore it. never even acknowledge it and never say a word about it. And I, I sh- uh, don't write about it. My column probably gets, you know, or whatever he has appeared in a lot of different places. Uh, the, the problem is that uh, people listening right now on the LA freeways, are going to, who haven't watched the uh, HBO Max or HBO show, uh, will probably Sunday night tune in and say, what is this all about? And that is the other, the problem. But, when you're the victim of this, I mean, what do you do, Mo? How would you like to be uh, 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 portrayed in a light that's not you, in a very it's- negative light? And, and I mean, let's face it, they make him look like an intemperate bozo. That's what they, t- from my perspective, I've told them that. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's actually worse
1: than I think you're being kind. They make him look like an intemperate bozo, um, a racist, an alcoholic with anger management issues. All of those things, which are completely divorced from
2: anything we know
1: about the man. Now, I would never profess. I would never profess to know him. With
2: Elgin, he was close with Elgin. I mean, he has never—I'll say this unequivocally—with my hand on my mother's grave, ever used the N word. I mean, this guy's no more a racist. Uh, that's what probably gets me the maddest, among other things. It's ridiculous for Jerry to, to have to undergo. He's the most giving guy. I, I'm almost going to come out to tell you, and he swore I can't do it, but the things that he has done for different people are unbelievable. And for this, uh, the, uh, to be portrayed, I mean, I saw him with, a, a, did you see it, the, the episode with a, a fishing cap on him with hooks on it? I mean, yes, that looks like you know one of these uh, goofy fisherman guys. He would never wear a stupid hat like that—a fisherman's hat with hooks and bait and all that stuff on it. I mean, uh, it was—it's farcical what they've done to him, but it's also a persecution. Mr. Krikorian, I'm running out of time with
1: you. I was curious about the other portrayals on that show because you've seen enough of it to know that they don't necessarily portray Chick Hearn in a positive light. Paul Westhead Uh, or Dr. Jerry Buss, what would you say about some of those? Because you've dealt
2: with all of them. I dealt with uh, Jerry Buss. I mean, God, I used to sit in his box all the time uh, back in the eighties, many times and had dinner with him probably 75 times. Soft-spoken, nice guy. Nothing like this. Uh, what's the other thing? Uh, Chick Hearn, one of the nicest guy, great to the people in the street. Uh, I, I, that's another guy. I mean, he, obviously he was very focused and everything, but he was it, one of. The, he's what well, to me. Uh, you're gonna. He's the best sports announcer I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. never. No one's better than Chick Hearn, with his humor, with his play-by-play descriptions. I know. Bud Scully's great, and you know, but uh, very lyrical. But to me, Chick Hearn's the greatest sports caster I've ever heard.
1: Well, I'm not going to argue with you because you are Doug Krikorian, longtime Los Angeles area sports writer, a sp- uh, sports talk show host. I've read you for decades, listened to you for de- decades. You're author of the autobiography Between the Bylines, The Life, Love, and Loss of Los Angeles' Most Colorful Sports Journalist, and you've lived up to it in every way this evening. Mr. Krikorian, it's been an honor and privilege and pleasure to be able to talk to you tonight. And hopefully we get to do it again soon because this was great Bye. fun for me, sir. I'd love to do
2: it, and I'd love to go take you out to dinner one night, Mo. Awesome. Sure. Now, we got it on the air, so I'm going to hold you oh, to that. I will do it. <laughs> Believe me, you seem like a good guy. We could talk sports all night. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Thank Mo. you so
1: much for coming on tonight, sir. Okay, thanks, buddy. Thank you.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh.
1: I'm Mo Kelly in for Tim on this Friday night. He'll be back on Monday. And if you've ever listened to the Mo Kelly show, I try to strip out the hysteria from discussions. Can we just have an honest conversation? That's what I strive to do. That's what I hope to do with you whenever I'm sitting in this chair. I hope to have a legitimate and honest conversation without hysteria because rarely is anything the end of the world. How do I know? Because the world keeps on spinning. We're still here. So rarely is anything what people want to tell you it is at the height of their hysteria and nothing more so than I believe than mass and COVID. It's not all of this. It's not none of that. And here's what I mean. There is great confusion. I think that's the, the accurate word. There's great confusion about where we are with mass in LA and beyond. We know the federal mass mandate was struck down by a Florida judge. We know that. We know that the Biden administration is not happy with it, and they may they may protest it or or uh, try to fight it. We know that here in Los Angeles, they just reinstituted the mask mandate as it relates to public transportation. We all know this, but let's not be hysterical in how we're going to describe it. That's that's what I would hope, and that's what I would wish. And let, let's here's what I mean can we agree or we should be able to agree agree that it's not tyranny. It's not communism. It's not all these other things. And, And let's say you didn't know where I sit when it comes to masks. I don't like them. I'm one of those guys who's going to default to not wearing one at this point. I've been vaccinated twice. I've been boosted. I don't like wearing masks. And my default is when I'm out and about I am not going to wear a mask. I do keep a mask in the car. Why? Because there are some businesses that I frequent. Like I went to Winchell's the other day. Winchell's Donuts. I felt like getting a donut. And this particular Winchell's required everyone to be in a mask to come in the establishment. I said, okay. I went up to the business. I saw the sign. I went back to my car and I got my mask. Why? Because I keep one in the car. And here's what I mean if we talk about this without the hysteria. I think it's okay to acknowledge that we use things and we carry things that we may not always use all the time. What I mean by that is I carry my wallet. It has my ID. It has, has cash in it. I have my driver license in it, and I take it with me even when I'm not driving. I have my ID with me, even though I'm not expecting to have to use it. That is how I look at mass. It's something I have in my car, and if it's necessary to use it, A business should require it, or if I'm public transportation, which I'm really not anymore. I used to take it every single day. But beyond the possibility of violence, it's just a nasty experience. So I don't use public transportation. A lot of people talk about public transportation in the abstract. I talk about it from firsthand experiences. So I'm a person. I'm reticent to use public transportation, not because of a mask, because of all the other issues. And I have my mask in the car just in case that I should happen to have to use it. And let's, let's be able to put this in its proper context. I don't think it's all that big of a deal. We know it's not the end of the world. Is it a nuisance? Absolutely Absolutely. I don't like getting out of my car and walking up to a business and realizing, oh, shoot, I got to go back to my car and get the mask. Or I don't have to worry. I don't like to have to worry about whether I remember to put one in the car, a clean one or an unused one. It it is a nuisance. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Is it confusing the conflicting um, mandates and the guidances and the instructions and expectations? Absolutely. Confusing and nuisance, but it's not the end of the world, and it's not tyranny. It's just another thing I put in my car, and on occasion, I have to use it. And no, I don't like using it. I don't like using it all. If I had my druthers, I would not use it at all. But uh, but But since I am a capitalist through and through, I do respect the right of businesses to make their own decisions in regard to subjects like these, even though it may be unpopular. And I may get to the point where I'm tired of wearing a mask and I'm not going to go into Winchell's Donuts. I'm just going to pick on them because that's the last time I went to a business which required a mask. And I'm not going to go to Winchell's anymore. And that's my right and privilege as a consumer to choose which businesses I choose to frequent and why. And that's okay, because to me, that's how America works. That's how America is. And when it's at its best, when we get to make those decisions, we don't have to like it, but that's okay. And honestly, the people who are complaining about wearing it on public transportation or wearing it at LAX, for the most part, public transportation, I think the people who are complaining about that don't even ride public transportation. So I think a lot of you are just full of it. You're not being honest. If you're complaining about that, it's a false complaint because you're not riding the Metro Rail every day. I was riding the Metro Rail, the blue line, every single day. I saw the worst of the worst of the worst. Believe you me, the mask is the least of your concerns. When you're getting on the blue line at six in the morning, you're not worried about a mask. You're worried about everything else and everyone else around you. So that's a false complaint. If you're only wearing it on public transportation, you're probably not even riding public transportation. So that doesn't really count. Can we just bring some sanity back to these discussions? That's all I want. That's all I want. And at the end of the day, as we are literally getting to the end of the day, the mask is not a big deal. It really isn't. And depending on where you live, you're not even required to wear a mask at all anywhere. If you live in Orange County, there's probably not a business with an eye shot or earshot. In which you would have to wear a mask. So it's not impacting you. So these are just things we just like to argue about, get upset about on Facebook and Twitter and tell each other how we feel and how we can hate on other people. Or you're just a mask hole, or whatever the latest word is. It's really not a big deal. You just put a mask in your car. And if you need it, just like a driver's license, you have that in your wallet, even though you're not driving probably all the time everywhere you go. You just have it available. I got cleanings in my car. I have dental floss in my car. Why? Just for when I need it. Just for when I want it. Because you're dirty. That's why. (laughs) Yes, Michael Crozier. You know what? (laughs) I actually try to clean my teeth every now and then and blow my nose.
0: I'm with you, though. I got all that stuff in my car, too, because
1: you never know when you're out and about. You just never know. And there's nothing worse than, you know, you're like a two-hour commute in L.A., which is not unusual and you need some dental floss. Rather my have, goodness. You rather have than not need than need not have. There you go. Michael Crozier. I miss you, my brother. I didn't have a chance to say hello to you officially. How are you doing? You do as well, tonight? brother. I'm all good, man. You're on fire yeah. tonight.
0: I am. we just am. getting started too.
1: Oh, we got so much more to talk about. So much more. This is the Mo Kelly, excuse me, I almost said the Mo Kelly show. This is the Tim Conway Judy Show. Forgot what I was. Eh. I'm Mo Kelly in for Tim. And when we come back, Michael Crozier, I bet you have a Mike Tyson story. I have a Mike Tyson story.
0: Ooh. Got to think oh, about yeah. that
1: one. Oh, yeah. Were you here when Mike, yeah, you were here when Mike Tyson came to the studio, right? Uh, I didn't see him, now. Oh. I was in the building. Okay. okay. Well, I have some Mike Tyson stories to tell, given that he's back in the news. And I think we might give you some insight. As to why what happened on the plane, why it did happen. Tough man in the world. Oh, yes, he still is. He's the baddest man. He's bad. I'm not going to make fun of him at all. And I have met, been around, interacted with Iron Mike Tyson at least three different times. The first time I was in my early 20s. I think I was maybe 22 or 23. So it was around 1992 or 93. And it was at the UCLA step show. If you know anything about step show, you have the black Greek letter organizations. They do these step dances and they have competitions surrounding it. Well, it was at the UCLA step show in 92 or 93. Mike Tyson came out and was just hanging with us because he was in his mid twenties. He was the baddest man on the planet, heavyweight champion of the world. You go to college parties and hang out. He wasn't that much older than any of us. I think I was maybe 22. He was maybe 25. If I remember correctly. And he was known during the competition to throw candy and and heckle and and throw stuff at the participants, and nobody said anything to him. Why? Because it was Iron Mike Tyson, the heavyweight champion of the world, and we knew that Mike Tyson was different. You knew that he he might flip on you at any given moment. This was pre him going to jail. This was when he was just a wild man in that regard. And then I and, and I carried that memory with me to when I was able to interview him for Comic-Con, this is about maybe six or seven years ago, and it was he wasn't gonna give any interviews. And I ran up to the Warner Brothers person, and I said, hey, I, I, I know that he doesn't wanna give interviews, but I just wanna talk to Iron Mike for like two or three minutes, talk about his new cartoon and, and the Mike Tyson uh, mystery series and everything. It'll be, it'll be real quick. And the guy looked at me and said, look, all right, I know about you and I know about KFI, just be nice to him and no sudden movements. He said <laughs> no sudden movements. And I, and intellectually, uh, Michael Rosen, you, you understand where I'm get, going with this. I mean, intellectually, I understood it because Michael, Mike Tyson sometimes doesn't see everyone the same in the sense of if you run up too fast, he may see you as a foe. Even though you're just happy to see him, he, he's just from a different place in mentality where it might be a confrontation. So I very slowly walked up to him with a smile. I didn't extend my hand because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't get down like that. And my first question was very disarming. And then we had a very good conversation. You can uh, find it. It's still up there on, on the web. But it's one of those things where looking into his eyes, and there's a picture of it on my website, mrmokelly.com, which we're talking. You look into his eyes, and it was always there that Mike Tyson could go Mike Tyson at any given moment. And there won't be shite that you can do about it. Mm. There's nothing you can do. Mm. I mean, he, he he's a bad man. Even now, I think he's 55 now. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's Even two years. Now. He's two years older than I am. And and I remember when he was coming up, and I I read so much stuff about him back then, and I and I always thought the worst thing that ever could have happened to him in his life was Cus D'Amato dying when he did. Yes, it just yes. It, It's like you. I always got that sense that that. Tyson wasn't done being made yet, you know, being who he could have really been. And I think with Cuss dying, he didn't have that guidance from anybody he, else because then it became a money thing with Don King getting involved
1: and all that. And he was mistreated every step of the way after. Yeah, that. absolutely. He was not completely formed as a man. Yeah, he was, he was already was, suspicious of of society
0: in general because of yes, his up, yes. because of his upbringing.
1: Yes, that's the word. He, he was suspicious of everything and everyone, and so he had a lot of contempt for people. He has gotten better in the sense of finding comfort and peace in his life with his marijuana business, and he has these other interests. And I remember when he came by KFI in recent years. He was very aff- affable, but people don't understand. If you're ever in his presence, it is very clear. Watch yourself. <laughs> Not that he's inherently
0: dangerous. There's a vibe that- around him. Yes. There's an yes. aura that it's like, uh, you got to be on your toes and aware of how you are around this person.
1: Yeah, watch your words. And You may think that you're being funny, but you could be patently offensive. You yeah. just don't know. And he is a different type of cat. And we say that about a lot of people. But he's a different guy. He processes information and situations just differently. And so I feel that you should never be too comfortable around him. Never.
0: Never. When I was reading up on him and, and uh, when he was young and, and the whole thing, when he was around Cuss's trainer, and and the thing that struck me and always that I always remember most about how how just inherently violent this guy was in the ring, and scary in general, that that heart of him that came out with with raising pigeons. Mm -hmm. Like he'd be up on the roof and he just there's these video and pictures of him just caressing these pigeons and how gentle he is with this thing. Just that dichotomy
1: in him is just incredibly fascinating. He has a he has these different sides. He has a very soft side to him. And that's been well documented. But he can flip that switch. And the reason we're talking about this is probably by now everyone has seen the video of Mike Tyson going to town on this guy on an airplane. First, I'm not going to get into any type of real dialogue with Mike Tyson in a tube <laughs> when I can't get away. When I can't get away. <laughs> All we need is a misunderstanding. A misunderstanding. One thing I'm Maybe.
0: betting I can do is, is I can probably outrun him. So right. in, a, in right. a
1: plane, that's just not happening. No, there's nothing I can do that can hurt Mike Tyson. You know, and there's nothing I can do. I can maybe protect myself for three seconds from Mike Tyson. Just protect my head. That's yeah, right. all I could do. Because yeah, you're moving. You're just bobbing and weaving, just trying not to get hit. But he's going to connect at some point. <laughs> he's <laughs> he, he's going to get you. And, and my thing is, if you are in a conversation with Mike Tyson on an airplane, The last thing you want to do is say anything which might upset him. One, because you don't know if he is high or not. He talks about his marijuana use. He uses it uh, a lot. He uses it to keep himself calm. He said that. Uh, I'm not going to say anything to upset him. I'm not going to mistakenly say something that he may misinterpret and then gets upset. So if, if, if he went to town on this guy, I'm going to side with Mike Tyson. Because from what I understand, this guy was harassing him, and you, he's not a guy you want to harass. He's not a guy you want to joke with. He's not a guy you want to poke fun at. Anything. Leave Mike Tyson alone. The video that's of that the guy. Of
0: the video of that guy poking at Tyson. I'm like, oh, that's just
1: asking for it. Anybody, but you're doing it to Tyson. And you know who you're doing it to. It's not just some guy on the airplane. Yeah. It's not some guy. It's Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson at 55 years old can still beat the ass of everyone else for the most part. There are very few people. He's not even poking a bear because he could beat a bear's ass. (laughs) The the moral of the story is leave Mike Tyson alone. Say hello. Say goodbye. You know, maybe even ask for a picture. But outside of that, don't look him in the eye. Don't try to challenge him. (laughs) Just just leave him alone. He is Mike Tyson for a reason, and I don't think anyone will be able to understand him fully. Just leave that man alone, and you'll be able to fly in peace. This is the Tim Conway Jr. Show. Mo Kelly here. KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the
0: party.
2: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy.